This week on The Guardian Audio Edition. Algeria hostage crisis over after further casualties. Spies, Chopin and a last-minute rescue in Libya. And our audiobook review is a crime special looking at Raymond Chandler's greatest stories and a new audiobook from Stuart Neville, Ratlines. To subscribe for free, go to audible.co.uk forward slash Guardian Audio or find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. The Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. The Guardian. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, Mark E. Everett on the verge of a new Eels album, Kelly Rowland, M.O., Mo, and John Grant in Singles Club, plus a hidden treasure from our very own Kieran Yates. All here on Music Weekly from The Guardian. Uh, we're joined by Rebecca Nicholson, who you just heard there. Hello, Rebecca. How Hello. are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah? Um, what's been going on in the world of, of, of uh, rock and pop music that we need to be discussing this week? What's happening? I uh, went to go and see the Kendrick Lamar show on Sunday. Was it good? It was very good. I heard it, it was, was very good. Excellent. Everybody in the place knew all the words. Right. To the very, very quick freestyles so it was great right and i hear that florence did a version of backseat freestyle on the tube afterwards for <laughs> yes. fellow tube passengers which Sorry, i would have quite sort of liked to see weird sexual euphemism what did you do backseat freestyle on the tube what what, <laughs> Alexis, what? get down with the kids <clears throat> and so, what yeah. are you talking about it's a kendrick lamar track oh right oh backseat yeah, yes i knew that right okay freestyle. which is a freestyle version of no it. the song is called backseat freestyle oh right okay yeah. she did her own rendition on she the did tube. her own but imagine yeah. that I, if I if really Sunday am. wasn't a hard enough day, trudging it. through London and all that snow, <laughs> and you finally get on the tube, and there she is, wailing away. <laughs> but she's doing quite a lot of. She's on ASAP yeah, Rocky's she's album, well, isn't, isn't she? she? She's with his album. ASAP Rocky. She was on ASAP yes. Rocky's album. Last last track yeah. on ASAP Rocky's album is, is is with her. It always sounds like you you miss her shouting at you when she <laughs> when she's singing. There's something about it. it's like your angry partner shouting at you. Was the Kendrick Lamar gig good? In the did he do that thing that rappers do? at gigs where you, you start they start doing a song you really like and then they stop it halfway through and they go oh rewind and, and then they've got the hype man who's like some knob that you don't want to see no, and maybe I, they've got their crew with them which is an absolute collection of knobs you don't want to see was it like that or was it like no. a, quite a professional like when I went to Kanye West which is brilliant Right. And I think Common was his hype man or something like that. Oh, good hype man. Um, yeah. Well, it was just him and his DJ on stage. That's good. That's definitely points in his favour. I always feel like that kind of, like, wheeling up the track over mm. and over is more of a kind of club thing. Uh, it doesn't really, it never really works on stage. Well, I went to go and see Odd Future last year and they did, there was just too much happening on stage. Yeah. And so much cutting out and the sound was really bad and that was really difficult to watch. But I think because so many people are already on board with Kendrick, well, mm. the people that were in the building anyway, it felt like a real moment, you know, it, yeah. it felt really symptomatic of everybody having that album, having Good Kid Mad City. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good and point. And it's quite rare that that happens, isn't it? That everyone knows all the tracks one by and it's consistently good. And so, yeah, for that reason, I think it was quite special. I often think, is this like skits? Is it? Just, is, are there people who actually like this stuff? Is it just me being some sort of weird white bloke that doesn't like what hip? You know, in some you get a hip hop album, they don't get as many skits as you used to. And I used to put it on to be like a skit. Think, does anybody enjoy this? Is there, you know, is, <laughs> is anybody not fast forward past it? Because it was always like somebody 
doing drugs while getting a blowjob and then being shot. Mm. That was the that was there was a skit. But I think that that was very much of a time when that very that characterized the artist. You know, they had these <laughs> these characters. You know, like when you go and see yeah. like Method Man and Red Man. Mm. You know, they know that they're doing that whole you know eccentric smoking things. So they'll yeah. do somersaults into the crowd. They'll you know smoke on stage. You had you know these things that identify different artists. I think were a lot more self-parodying at one mm. time, and I don't think that that is so true at the moment. The, the skit reached Nadir with the, uh, the prosaically titled ODB skit, <laughs> Taking a Shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, pretty much did what it said on the tin. I saw, uh, you talk about uh, Method Man on stage, I saw uh, Method Man at 1995 at the Empire on Leicester Square, and there's a man who didn't think, think through what he was doing. At one point, for reasons that I didn't quite establish, Method Man took one of his trainers off, and threw it into the crowd, and then asked for it back, <laughs> and the crowd wouldn't give it back, and then he got all angry, <laughs> and went, if you don't give my trainer back, I'm going to have to go back to my hotel with only one trainer. Which is, yeah, everybody had already worked that out, and then he stormed off stage with only one trainer. End, end of gig. <laughs> kind of amazing. It's only either I find hip-hop live, Completely brilliant or totally shit. I've never been to... There's no in-between. It's either like, why have I bothered coming out to watch this Farrago? Or it's like the greatest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. I think because... Discuss. I I think... uh, I I think I have a different take on things. Because I've been to so many grime raves, Mm. my experience of of what I really want and what I go to enjoy, I think, has shifted as a result of that. when, When I've been to Eskimo dances and there's like 20 MCs, on stage, passing the mic and shouting and, you know, doing like these furious bars and then it getting wheeled and cut up and chopped and then moved on all again. There's this real f- frenetic energy on stage and everything's very fast paced because I've got used to that. I'm, you know, I find I can find that quite palatable now. That's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I've taken hip hop fans to a grime rave, they're just like, what is going on? This is too much. Really? They feel completely isolated by it because they're like, no, it's just... What what's happening? You can't that's really good, anything. but that's really really good. That's really good because it means it's an entity within itself, and it's yeah. not. Which obviously you know, crime is, but yeah. as a live thing, it's an entity in and of itself, and not merely uh, a joke. We should talk about Beyonce, I suppose. Yes, I have strong feelings about Beyonce doing this, which surprised me greatly because me I have no problem with people no. lip syncing. No, ever. Most of the time, it's so they can do better dance moves. Of course. I'm on board with that completely. It doesn't bother me. But I feel really let down. Yeah. And I think uh, the reason I feel let down is because you were watching that thinking, this is brilliant. Mm. And more mm. and more, you're kind of willing her on. You're mm. like, yes, she's hitting these notes. It's great. She mm. rips the earpiece out. She's really doing it. Mm. And so to find out that she wasn't really, if yeah. she wasn't, which hasn't quite We haven't clarified. quite established whether yeah. she was or wasn't. I but find if that's it, the case, I was very saddened. I find it very odd because a, it's not like Beyonce can't sing. We've all mm. seen Beyonce live and the woman can, you know what I mean? She can, yep. you know... Uh, uncurl the hair in your afro, you know, I mean, she's got an incredibly powerful voice. And also, if you're going to mime, don't do it at the presidency, don't do something that smacks of falsehood yeah. and kind of, you know what I mean, and, and giving people short change and mm. behaving in an underhand way. And president, you know, the yeah. presidential ignore, it seems like a really, really stupid place to go and do it. Exactly, that was, that's what I found really weird about it. She's supposed to be you know, representing this kind of truth and this mm. hope and looking forward and you know, yeah. being real. But and it was a bad. sham. Yeah. It's all a sham, it's terrible. They might as well have had Cheryl Cole up there. <laughs> <laughs> Which would obviously have been amazing. Bring her best friend Will I Am on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bring <laughs> the rest of girls allowed on. It would baffle the American audience, no idea. Oh, so Can't understand a word of what Cheryl Cole was singing the, uh, the Star Spangled Banner in a very thick, uh, thick Geordie accent. Um, amazing. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, she's let me down. She's let she's, she's let, let us all down. She has let us all down. <laughs> was there other? I actually didn't see it. Kelly oh. Clarkson performed. I don't know if that was later though, but she she sang live. She definitely sang live. And she's a Republican. Wow. Yeah. I liked it when at the other gig, the sort of pro Obama gig, they put Lou Fiasco on. <laughs> and uh, he played one song for 30 minutes and then uh, went sort of mental and was, was uh, strong-armed off stage by security guards. Yep. Uh, right. Had I been the guy booking a pro-Obama gig, I would have checked <laughs> before I booked the headline act to see if at any point he had called the pre- literally called President Obama a baby murderer in the last 12 months. <laughs> but then the official line was really weird, wasn't it? Because I think then the, the organiser said, said something along the lines of, oh, it was, he was just rambling on and, mm. you know, the sound wasn't very good, so mm. we shifted off stage, not because he was going into an anti-presidential diatribe. I think you should have security guards at the side of the stage at every gig. Right. And at any point, an artist <laughs> appears to be rambling on, so on they go, strong arm, strong marching off. Neil Young, the minute Neil Young does one of the long ones off his more recent albums, long one from yeah, the 70s, fine, fine with that, go, you know, do Down by the River for three weeks, that'd be amazing. Something off like an album from about 1998 where it goes, no, you drag him off immediately, scramble, scramble, you know, fantastic, yeah. that's what they should do. Yeah, I went to see The Cure last year mm. and they did a three hour st- set on stage and I was just yeah. like, oh my God, when is someone going to... Do they do the, the Cure do that thing though, don't they, where they do like an hour long set and then the encore goes on for about four weeks, yeah, it so we're going to play all our songs. Um, I did not enjoy myself. I bet people did though. Yeah, they did. I'm sure you were a lone voice amongst yeah, the was. sea of... Weeping goths. I felt really alone. <laughs> um, Speaking of candidates for strong arming off the stage mm. of music as a whole, yeah, um, that was an all right. Very Steve, good, wasn't it? Very good link. Uh, Excellent. Prince, Prince's new material. Have yes. we, has anyone heard it? I haven't heard it yet. I have only heard the single, which is on Radio Two. My wife listens to Radio Two, so I'm getting a very skewed musical mm. view of the world. And um, they play that Prince record all the time. Is the single the one that sounds like Status Quo? No, the single's the one that sounds like about eight other Prince songs. And right. You can't work out. You start out and you think it, you literally, oh, is this Raspberry Beret? Oh, no. It's like, you know, it's, yeah. it's like a really, it's like that. Um, you're probably too young to remember. Stars on 45 used to do like medleys of hits in the early 80s. It's, it's a bit like a sort of Stars on 45 Prince record. Is the rest of it all cobblers? Well, the only other one I've heard is called Screwdriver, and it does sound like Status Quo. I think it's, and it does sound like Screwdriver, yeah. the legendary <laughs> neo Nazi punk band. Yes, it does. Um, um, it's does really, it sound like Status Quo? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit, kind of amazing. And, but the worst thing about it is you go on his website and you click the video and you're like, it's a new Prince song, I'm really excited. And then it plays with an official lyric video. Right. Like Little Mix have an official right, lyric right, video. Right, 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 right. So there's something about Prince, I don't want him to have an mm. official lyric video. I can see that. I can see why, uh, yeah. yeah, people will be down on that. Marky Everett has spent uh, 17 years releasing music that combines melody, misery and the blackest of humour under the name Eels. Ahead of the Eels' 10th album, Wonderful Glorious, Imogen Tilden caught up with E to talk about songwriting, sarcasm and his 16-year-old self. years in the Eels, and this is your 10th album. Can I ask you how your sound and approach has changed in these years? Well, I suppose I'm always trying to uh, change the approach somewhat each time, and 
for this one, this new album, Wonderful, Glorious, it, it, the main change in approach was not having an approach. Like, it's maybe the only time where I went in to make an album having no plan whatsoever. Nothing was written ahead of time. I didn't know what I was striving for. I just decided to have an open mind and see what happens. What advice would you give to your younger self starting out now? I, I actually wrote a letter to my 16-year-old self a couple years ago that was for a book about doing that. You know, just don't worry about so much of the stuff that you worry about when you're a kid. It's all stupid stuff that doesn't matter. A lot of the opposite of what you think is important turns out to be true. And how about working in the industry? It's The music industry has altered beyond recognition since you've been working. I know. Well, I feel very lucky that I started when I did. But it's also been like a constant learning curve for me because like every six months, everything changes so drastically in the music business that you're you know always trying to catch up with it. But I'm just amazed that I get to do it still. It's just amazing to me. It's been 20 years since I had a real job. It's amazing. Are you nostalgic for how we used to listen to albums as an organic whole? Yeah, I'm not really nostalgic about it because I still do it. That's what I like to do. I like to make albums. Even if nobody wants to listen to a full album, I'm still going to make them because I'm really my target audience. I'm just trying to impress myself. Do you revisit and rework your old songs? Yes, we do that quite a bit when we do our shows. Uh, we tend to like to keep ourselves interested by treating the songs like they're living entities and they, they've grown with us. I like to take an old song and pretend I um, wrote it this year and I would probably do it a lot different if I had written it this year, so I do it that way. Tell me about the new album, so with its title, Wonderful Glorious, that's a fairly clear statement of intent. I hope so. I hope that people don't get a negative message from the album title. I don't know how you could, but then again, you never know. People often think I'm being sarcastic when I'm not. I don't know what it is. Is it just something about my face or something? That's, I don't know why people always think like some songs are supposed to be ironic or sarcastic when, to me, I'm clearly not anywhere near doing something like that. And then in the cases sometimes when I am trying to do that, then people don't understand it then, so I, I can't win. So what's the new album about? If there's any one distinct message in this album, I think it's probably that you gotta make an effort to, to make things better. You gotta, um, you can't just sit back and expect everything to turn out okay. You gotta exercise what little control we may have over our lives and, you know, and try to make things better. And have you yet figured out how you'll be doing it live? No, that's what happens next. I gotta go home and sit down and figure out how the hell we're gonna play some of these new songs live, because we've really painted ourselves into a corner with some of these. Some of these are a little bit complicated. <laughs> and you talked earlier about how people 
misunderstand you, perhaps willfully. Do you find it limiting that people do see everything you write as autobiographical and you have this public image as a bearded miserabilist? Is that yeah. there any relation to reality? I don't think so. I think people, um, I think anyone that's really paying attention wouldn't say I was a miserableist. They would see that I'm just painting all the different colors of the spectrum of life and that includes being sad sometimes, but it's always in the name of getting to a brighter place when, I'm, when I am illustrating that part of it. You've previously written a book, Things the Grandchildren Should Know, and you've made a documentary about your father. How is the creative process of writing and filmmaking different to music making? Well, the filmmaking was easy for me because all I had to do was star in it. I didn't have to do anything else, so that was great. That was probably the easiest thing I've ever been involved in. And the writing of the book was the opposite. It was the hardest thing I've ever done because it was just, I, it was all me. I had to do it all. And uh, it's much less fun to write a book than to write a song I learned. It's, it's very lonely and exacting and, and uh, it takes about a year of your time. I don't recommend it. You know what? I'm in a good mood today. Well, I'm so happy it's not yesterday. Man, it was brutal with plenty of tissues. I guess you could say that I had issues. But it's looking good. I dug my way out. I'm changing up what the story's about. You've talked about how your facial hair inspires you. Is that still the case? Not so much right now because I have uh, I have what the what the youngsters would call a tight beard right now. It's very tight. It's very neatly trimmed. Uh, it's not not that inspiring. <laughs> and I'd love to hear about your dog. You've also talked about how's Bobby Junior holding up. Bobby Junior um, had a big health scare a couple months ago. He couldn't walk. And uh, we were terrified and preparing for the end. Uh, he's 10 now. But we got him uh, spinal surgery, and he's made an amazing comeback. He's, he's like the young Bobby Jr. of nine years ago. Now he's back pretty much to normal. It's, it's quite a it's the comeback story of the year. It's been very inspiring. And before anyone says it's too extravagant, extravagant to get your pet spinal surgery, I want to remind everyone that Bobby Jr. is a working member of the family who has appeared in so many of our videos and sang on records and sold a lot of t-shirts and panties with his image on them. He, he has earned his surgery and his dog food for life. Does he come touring with you? No, I would love for Bobby to come on tour with us, but his little legs can't, can't take the wear and tear and that, that kind of daily grind of getting on and off the tour bus and all that. <laughs> You've worked with Tom Waits, so I know is someone you particularly admired. Who else would you like to collaborate with? Uh, Bob Dylan, if I may go right to the top. <laughs> if I may scale Mount Rushmore. Bob Dylan, you know, there's a lot of dead guys I w would like to work with, but that's hard to pull off. <laughs> That was Imogen Tilden talking to Marquis Everett. The new Eels album, Wonderful Glorious, is out 
on February the 4th. It's time for Singles Club. Let's start with Rebecca's Choice. That's Pilgrim by Mo. Uh, that's Mo with an O with one of those slashes through it. Uh, Swedish. Is it, are they Swedish? She's Danish. She's Danish. Well, yeah. you know, a Nordic. A Nordic O. Tell us a bit about uh, Mo. Mo. I don't know very much about her other right. than that she is Danish. Mm-hmm. And apparently we can pronounce it as Mo. Okay. Although I suspect if any Scandinavian <laughs> listeners... Perhaps uh, you could correct us. If it's one of those O's, I don't actually know the proper name for, you know... Uh, the, 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 the O with the slash through. O with the slash through. If but that if, is not its technical name. I, I, I believe that's not... <laughs> I sincerely doubt that's what they call it in Denmark. Um, you, you tell us how we should be pronouncing Mo. 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 Whatever. Anyway, know. so, yeah, let us know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the Sheffield O, as I like to call that one. <laughs> um, yes, um, anyway. It just sounds... It, to me, it sounds a little bit... Solange and a little bit Robin-y and it's just got all of those elements that I enjoy mm. from a pop song and it's so catchy. Mm-hmm. I've had this going round and round in my head. Those horns are really kind of horns and seal drums and a Scandinavian lady singing. That is like someone's reached into my brain and pulled out <laughs> <laughs> what I would like to hear. No, I liked it enormously. I also thought her voice uh, had a little hint of like Lana Del Rey, but actually Lana Del Rey kind of emoting in a way that Lana Del Rey doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Lana Del Rey, who doesn't sound like she's had her voice botoxed, you know what I mean? Um, she sounds dead inside. She does sound like dead inside, doesn't she? Mm. She looks dead inside. Mm. Um, Kieran, um, did you enjoy the uh, work of Mo? The- I really liked it. I like that kind of uh, duality of a dreamlike quality coupled with bass claps because it feels like just as it start, you're starting to kind of fade along, there is that kind of punchiness and it's got that fragility and feistiness at play, which I really like in a pop song as well. Um, I, th- I thought it sounded a little Lander Ray-ish and a bit Kate Bushy maybe. I just got the Robin thing. I thought yeah. that there was definitely mm. a hint of that in there. But I don't know much about Danish Pop, you know, you well, this is her Swedish. first single also, so it, 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 she's very new. Mm, but I don't know if there's kind of, in the same way that there's this kind of vibrant, weird Swedish kind of pop scene from, you know what I mean? Yeah. That you keep getting some people, Annie and, is Annie Swedish? Annie Swedish, isn't she? Annie Swedish, Swedish yeah. yeah. absolutely, and, and Robin. I don't really know much about the uh, the Danish pop scene. Dansk pop. Me neither, sure it's but if that. this is what it sounds like, then I'm Bring it on, board. loads yeah. more of it. It sounds it, like the place though, doesn't it? It's very clean, very mm. crisp, yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I quite like that. Everybody very tall. In Denmark as well. I went to see Flaming Lips live there. I couldn't see a thing. Everybody, <laughs> in, the, everybody in the audience is about a foot taller than me. Um, it, was complete, it was the exact opposite of going to Japan, where he's like, I'm the tallest person. But, you know. um, but anyway, yes, you don't, we don't want to know about that. This is obvious. I'm not even going to bother asking this. How, where do we find it anymore? Google it. So, yeah, it's on the internet, and I think it's getting a seven-inch release at some point in February. Okay, let us move on to Kieran's choice. You're one of a kind. Yeah. I swear I gotta make you mine. Whoa. Boy, you turn me on. Yeah. Got me feeling hot. Whoa. Now I'm really gone.
I like the idea that rather than a sort of chopped and screwed thing, that might just be a guy doing his cunnilingus voice. <laughs> um, uh, that's uh, Kelly Rowland, uh, Kisses Down Low. Uh, to paraphrase Morrissey and the Smiths, Kelly, Kelly Rowland's so much to answer for. She was the person that really brought David Guetta into the whole scheme of things, wasn't she? Wasn't that Kelly Rowland? Yeah, yes, it was, wasn't sure. it? Commander um, is a great song. No. I, no. Oh, no yeah. No. Um, but, 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 <laughs> I like how dismissive both of you just know. No. Um, but um, Kisses Down Low, Kelly Rowland, tell us a bit about this. Tell us why you brought it in. Um, I don't know what she's talking about. Really? I, I Me mean, neither. Yeah. No, none of us do. Oh, I get it. Kisses Down Low. Yeah, so this is uh, produced by Mike Williams also known as Mike Williams Made This, who is a producer also from Atlanta, as Kelly is obviously from Atlanta. And what I really liked about this particularly is that it sounded very Southern. Mm. It's got kind of all of those elements. It's got that kind of, you know, that male lurch. It's, It's got that sort of, you know scorching bass lines I just I think that it really sounds like of a place and I like that geographical mapping in urban music particularly I think it does quite well and actually I think that she retains her southernness more than the other members of Destiny's Child when she was on um, yes. on X Factor or whatever it was all just like oh shut it down yeah, yeah, all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of business yeah, yeah. and you know she really wants to kind of maintain that and I think that that's what makes her a little bit different and a little bit more interesting than kind of than the other two in that but way. But more interesting than Beyonce. That's an interesting well, I just think that as a character. Can we ever trust Beyonce again? That's what <laughs> like, exactly. But also because Beyonce is so kind of so overtly like sensual and sexy, I feel like the other two really fell by the wayside. And I never even I never feel like I don't know how you feel, but I never feel like Kelly Rowland is ultra sexy. No. I think she's ultra like, overtly I sexy. I thought that she would be the one to kind of yeah, come out and do even all though, this smutty stuff. Yeah, she's singing overtly about Cunnilingus and I'm still not really that sold. I'm just like, mm, she's still nice. Mm. You know, she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't project this kind of raw sexuality that Beyonce does and I don't know if that is a You're suggestion. that she doesn't like Kisses Down Low. Maybe really? She, well, well, she moderately prefers kisses down low to like going to the dentist. Or something she like was that. fine with it until that voice came. Until that guy, <laughs> sorry, you're gonna, you're gonna do that voice while you're doing it. Stop. <laughs> you've absolutely ruined the moment here. I'm sorry, I forget it. But that's just, just put, Let's call it a night. Put a telly on. Go on. Um, but yeah, I much preferred this to Ice, which she released previously with Little Wayne, which didn't feel. Uh, as cool, I guess, and as catchy, and wasn't as synth heavy, and wasn't as pounding and, and as present. I, I, I mean, I really liked her 2007 album, Miss Kelly. That was great, and then everything that went after that was just a bit like the you know Commander era, which, I, which I'm still which going to say. Okay. I love. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, but I feel like I hope, hopefully, this is a return to that kind of era of her glory days. Um, do we know? I'm sorry to bang on about the guy on this track. Do we know who that is? Does he get a credit? Uh, yeah, Mike Williams. He's the... that's him. The, that's him. The producer. Oh, sorry. That. No, I'm, no, I'm not sure. I, I kind of feel like it was, but maybe. Wow. It's not. I wonder if it's like a knife fever ray thing where it's, it's just... her. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Um, or Beyonce. Um, <laughs> miming. She get Beyonce to come on at <laughs> gig and lip sync to it really badly, really obviously. I'm full of ideas. Wrapped in the American flag. <laughs> you fixed live music today. I Cheryl Cole for the next presidential inauguration. Beyonce lip syncing badly to the man's voice on this. Um, Rebecca, did you like this? Um, I did. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, mm. actually. I was trying to think if I enjoyed it more than the Destiny's Child song. Yeah. But I think I'm the only person who really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I think you are. Yeah. I thought it was classy. I thought it was a really... really this, I mean, this is great fun, but it's not classy. It's certainly not classy. There's no, no classy no, 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 here. No, no, no. I thought the Destiny's Child one was nice and kind of... 
understated and quite grown up, but mm-hmm. apparently everyone else just thought it was boring. Well, every, yeah, we were saying this last last week, weren't we? So what you really want Destiny's Child to come back with is like a big kind of yeah. banger, as yeah. I believe the young people call them. And uh, you know what I mean? You yeah. want it's a bit something... of a whisper of a... Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a, you know... Yeah, yeah. No, but I enjoyed this. I was just so distracted by the guy. I'm going to I'm gonna complain <laughs> it. I was so distracted by the guy's voice. Every time I listen to it, it's like, I'll keep a straight face. Do you think it's supposed to be sexy, that voice? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's that thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like, I never know. I mean, I, that, there's a certain kind of, uh, you know, in the same way, R. Kelly, is that meant to be sexy? You know, what was it uh, sex weed? Is that meant to be? <laughs> like, R. Kelly, is that meant to be sexy? <laughs> but that, But that kind of... Southern chopped and screwed, scissored voice that you hear on things like Gucci Mane and Rick mm. Ross. That's very much of a place. Of course, so no, 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 no. In Atlanta, they think it's sexy. Yeah, do you think, I, do you think they think that that's that's. That's what I mean. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Wow. Um, but also, I think that the point that you were making earlier about Destiny's Child is that as much as they make fantastic pop songs, they are always a little bit more sexually restrained. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until they went out on their own that Kelly and Beyonce were singing overtly about sex. And, and then Michelle did a gospel album. Then Michelle, Michelle did hasn't a quite. <laughs> but that's the thing, Destiny's Child always has this kind of shadow of, you know, good Christian girls around them. Absolutely, absolutely. No, no, no. very, very, very much so. Um, well, Kelly Rowland kisses down low. Um, is this coming out as a single? Uh, yeah, this should be on her album, Year of the Woman, that's released. Year of the Woman? Year of the Amazing. Woman, Year capital the woman. W. Uh, that should be released this one this year. Well, okay, fair enough. Year yeah. of the Woman, <laughs> and and obviously this can be found if you, you. She hasn't just given it to you. No, yes, it's on it's on the internet. <laughs> marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. Okay, finally, here's my choice. Uh, that's John Grant's Pale Green Ghost from his forthcoming second album. Um, that's the No Ceremony remix, which was premiered on the uh, Guardian website. And I didn't pick it for that reason. Um, I think John Grant has a really amazing voice. And this shows it off in I think taking it out of the kind of musical setting that that, that was uh, you know, sort of prevalent on Queen of Denmark, which so that's a 70s kind of sort of slightly soft rockish feel that it had, and, and putting it into this slightly more electronic context, which is called in Iceland. I don't know who No Ceremony are who remixed it, but I just think it's it's sort of a quite sort of bewitching uh, piece of work. Very Scandinavian themed. Kieran, you mm. you should have done Kelly Rowland. Kisses down low. I like that. That's terrible. So I, 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 oh, I like your kisses down low. I, I can't I can't do a Swedish accent. Um, um, John Grant's John Grant's a really interesting character, isn't he? Just and I <clears> didn't <throat> expect this at all. And it's actually it's not too dissimilar from the original no. of this. And no, no, no. It's not I like a radical yeah, reworking. That was what no. I didn't expect. That kind of whole new uh, electroish direction, mm. but it really suits his voice. And I love that the melody is so unusual. You kind of get lulled into thinking it's going to go somewhere, and then he chucks in a really odd note, mm. and it's just I, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by this. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Karen, Karen, do you like it? Yeah, I liked how it was so unashamedly 80s sounding mm. it almost sounded a little bit Gary Newman yeah yeah I can see that to me which is kind of it's a bit of a welcome change to kind of dance and indie music at the moment which has got so much 
uh, looking back to the 90s. Um, and it, this feels a little bit refreshing for that. I also like that detail that the pale green ghosts are apparently the olive trees. Along the stretch passed, of road yeah. that he used it's kind to of kind of pastoral synth pop. Yeah, no, no, it's it's a, it's a, it's a interesting. I'm, I haven't heard his second album. I'm very very keen to hear it. I was a big fan of his first one. Very good lyricist, John Grant as well. I think Pale Green Ghosts is around on SoundCloud. Um, if you. Uh, desire to hear it some more. It's also on The Guardian, elsewhere on The Guardian website. And that's it. Uh, that's Singles Club. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm meant to be sexy. Time for another in our Hidden Treasures series where we celebrate albums our writers think are great but were sadly overlooked at the time of release. This week, Kieran. Yeah. You're going to be telling us about... Bitches with Problems. Hey. Um... <laughs> It's and an album. And yeah. an album, yeah. Um, um, so, yes, well, let's hear what you have to say about Bitches with Problems. BWP in full effect on behalf of all you females in America for all those cheap, stinking ass niggas. Yeah, we want your money. Fuck you think this is. I grew up on a steady diet of the likes of some of rap's filthiest females. Little Kim, Kia and Trina played on repeat, much to my mum's horror, and they represented my first experiences of hearing about such unadulterated sexuality. As a result, it takes a lot to shock me. There has only been one album that still does, and it captures the thrill of my teenage years. The Bitches by Bitches with Problems. This is the one exception to the rule, the one that consistently draws gasps and embarrassed knocks, and it comes courtesy of a rap duo from the US. The Bitches is the debut album from female US rap duo Linda and Tanisha Michelle, also known as Bitches with Problems. Women singing about female pleasure was hardly groundbreaking in 1991. Salt and Pepper, after all, had implored listeners to push it. But this album was something else entirely. The uncensored approach in which Bitches with Problems offered up their worldview feels like you're being made privy to gossip between two friends. Take the opening line from Tanisha, in which she responds to a guy saying, Say ho, how you doing? with, Fine motherfucker, but your mum is the goddamn ho resulting in a violent, angry rant that makes up one of the many skits that feature on the album. Say ho, how you doing? Fine, motherfucker, but your mama's the goddamn ho. What the fuck are y'all talking about my mother for, bitch? You hey, y'all say something about your mother? What you ain't got no business approaching me like that. You the stink pussy motherfucker. Your mother got the stink pussy. She ain't wash her ass since she had you, motherfucker. Get the fuck off my black butt. Kick your ass. You bitch, I ain't got no shit on first listen, you could be forgiven in thinking that it's only rage and misandry that drives it. See, not so subtly on tracks like Fuck a Man, where she says, they only good for one thing, bubba banging, ask them if they paid their child support last week. In fact, this is an album about female empowerment, and it was that which resonated with me. The way it unfolded throughout the album with smart, sassy, filth-laden lyrics. The Bitches was unashamedly an album by women for women. From the grotesquely detailed track about menstruation in Kotex, where they implore us to, bitch, go change your Kotex, or hilarious and scathing remarks about manhood size, like on Two Minute Brother, where they witheringly pout, is that all I get? This was an isolating, one-dimensional, finger-snapping fierceness that pop culture likes to paint black women as inhabiting. 
This was palatable and felt just as much for an Asian girl in London as anybody else. You are two minute brother. talk a lot of shit, how they last long and got good dicks, talking shit, I'm the best lover, they all two minute brothers. Now I know you can't be talking to me, baby, because you know I'm swinging long all night long, know what I'm saying, I turn you over and get stupid busy. Of course, sex is the driving force, real sex, female-centric, uncensored sex. Before Sex in the City's version of events, before Lena Dunham's sanitised version of events, and way before Rihanna had explained her penchant for SM. This was packed with female ego that reacted to the masculine world of testosterone fueled rap, turning the joke on them completely, exposing failings in and out of the bedroom. Linda and Tanisha broke taboos and implored you to challenge sexual complacency, and in turn, complacency in all aspects of your life. The details are what give this album gravity. Pastiching porn soundtracks on Is the Pussy Still Good? The track masquerades as a sensual slow jam before kicking the male object of lust out when they are done with him. Because motherfuckers do that shit to bitches all the time. Uh, that's fucked up, Linda. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Because motherfuckers do that shit to bitches all the time. Ah, yeah. These remarks are key. From turning tables and advising on how to deal with forceful men on no means no, spoiler, kick him in the dick, to exposing those who don't pay child support, without these injections of social commentary, the album could easily fall into 12 tracks of gratuitous sex chat. Angry and brash, in reality, this was razor-sharp rap that made me see women differently and dealt with taboo in all its forms. Talking explicitly about injustice, single mums, racism, sisterhood, or things I had experienced. This is an outsider album, appealing particularly to those whose experience is a minority one, and is precisely why it resonated with me. Unfortunately, the world just wasn't ready for their level of filth, and their second album was never released, making The Bitches a perfect standalone offering. But really, that never mattered, because this album was never about being co-signed by anybody. Their problem was never that they didn't have a voice. In fact, they couldn't be silenced. The bitches with problems were standing proudly on the outside, poking fun at the dominant order and teaching me to be proud of my obstacles, while the rest of the world was asking me to turn them down. No shout out to Ice Cube. Nah, let's just stay off his dick. Right to my dead ass daddy. That was Kieran's Hidden Treasure, and you'll find more on that series online. That's it for this week. Thanks, as ever, to Rebecca for joining us. Um, we'll be back in a week um, with a different guest. Have your say about anything you've heard in today's show at guardian.co.uk forward slash musicweekly. See you next week. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.